0: This is gonna be uh, lesson number two in our visual diagnostic ability lessons that I'm gonna share with you guys. Uh, so what's going on with this little baby here? Very good, who said that? Good job, good job, mumps. This is exactly what this is. Um, other classes have not gotten that right away, so that's really good. Um, you can see here, if you looked at like this side of this baby's face over here, Everything looks kind of normal, but over here, everything is way puffed out, little down little over here. Wisdom teeth, so. Yeah, wisdom teeth would be a little young for a one-year-old or one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, you can even see the eye is a little scrunched because of the swelling, etc. You can see even the mouth is pushed up a little bit on one side. Yes? I thought, uh, is it not more common for it to be bilateral parotitis? No, not necessarily. Mumps can be unilateral or bilateral. Mumps can be bilateral or unilateral, although more often than not, we're going to see it unilaterally. Bilaterally is a pretty severe uh, case, but good question. Um, All right, what's going on with this? It's not what you think it is. It's not the most obvious thing, so I want you to think a little bit more and think about the age of the baby, the age of the child. Very good. Who said that? Good job. Wow, very good. Yeah, roseola. So you could first look at this. What's the first thing you think of? It's chicken pox, right? The first thing you think about is chicken pox because, you know, the kid got these scratchy looking things and reddish face, whatever. But when you look at the age of the baby um, and you see the, at least the way I look at it, you see the uniformness and the faintness of this because chicken pox usually there's crops, so it comes out in different layers. So you have some brand new ones, and you have some fading ones and stuff. This one, everything looks kind of uniform. Uh, and with the baby's age and understanding that roseola is called roseola infantum for a reason that you only see it in infants. You have to think as one of your differential diagnoses when you're examining a baby, you have to think about roseola as well as chickenpox when you're doing the differential. The biggest differential you'll see especially with roseola versus chickenpox is with roseola, the child will have a fever for 3 days before anything happens with no other symptoms, right? Which is that that's its prodrome. The approach for chicken pox is usually there's anorexia and fever, but, um, uh, and they obviously don't, don't feel good, but then when the pox come, they come in crops versus coming all out at once, right? So that's how you sort of differentially uh, diagnose these two different things. The next thing I wanna do is show you some, a couple of brief videos um, about with kids with ADHD, just so you can kinda like find the kid who's got the issue here. I thought this was a clever thing. So watch. Oop, what happened? That didn't work. I said, I want you to watch this one particular boy and see how he is not following the rules, right? So here's the rest of the class, and everybody's kind of sitting and standing and dancing, and he's kind of in his own little world, right? Now, someone could look at this and say this could be high functioning autism and that's a possibility also. But this is not an unusual thing to see a kid with ADHD to be completely unable to focus in with what everybody else is doing. And this video goes on for a couple minutes and if you would watch it, you would see this kid really has a hard time you know, getting it all together. And then let's show you this here. Now for this one, I'm not going to tell you which is the child that has ADHD. I want you to tell me. and Don't make a quick guess. I want you to pay attention first. And what's being said in the background doesn't really matter. I just want you to watch one kid who's completely not paying attention. Who's that? Yes, this little boy right here, right? You see him over there? <clears throat> he is completely in his own little world, right? He's having a good old time. He looks like playing guitar, maybe drums a little bit, right? Totally cute thing. And you can watch in this, and if you want to watch more of this, uh, you can see what kind of issues this poor kid is having. Um, these are cl- This is classic ADHD. What's going to happen is kids are going to come into your practice, because I've seen this all the time. Kids will come into your practice, and they will... Uh, they will be running around your office like little maniacs. Right? They will be tearing things up. And like, instead of coloring, they'll be shredding you know, the coloring things. Or they'll be tearing off like the, the, the paper around the crayons. And they'll be like throwing toys and being really disruptive. And the parents are like at wit's end because they don't know what's going on. And of course, all that everybody talks about to do with these kids is what? Yeah, let's put on Ritalin, let's give them Ritalin, a concerter, a stratera, vivance, Adderall, you know, all the above. Um, And the issue with that is that more people nowadays don't want their kids on this. Right? The issue is that they're coming to chiropractors to look for us to give them a different path. You know, it used to be when this stuff first came out. 20 years ago, well, actually, it's been, out, been around for a while. But when this stuff really started hitting the fan about 20 years ago, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, that's what people were clamoring for that. They're like, oh, an answer, finally. But they realized it didn't fix anything. It just covers it up. Right? It just covers it up. Where chiropractic, what we can do by helping adjust these kids is we can re- like unscramble their brains. And that's what, to me, this is all about is We see these kids who have their brains as you know, you know, you, you ever like make a cake or something like that, and you you get your little blender goes right. That's how I want you to think about their thinking. Their thinking is like that. So this little boy who's bouncing around while everybody else is doing a circle time and, and talking, he's going like this and whatever. He's not flapping, like an autistic a child with autism you know might do it right. That's not what he was doing. He just can't sit still because his brain is on right. And they're just, and she's sitting there explaining like. Like math, I don't know if you could hear her in the background, but she's explaining like, okay, what we're trying to do is create an estimate. So how many marbles are in this jar, right? And she's completely non-engaging, right? Sweet, I'm sure, but very non-engaging, trying to get people to estimate what's in a jar instead of like giving everybody their own little thing or having some manipulators that they can play with, right? And what, what needs to happen with these kids is, is that the teachers need to learn other techniques to help specifically with these kind of children. But the parents also need to come to chiropractors to help them get their little brains back together again, right? Because that's what we do, right? That's my whole point. Shayla? Um, I don't
1: want to ask this question in an insensitive way. Okay. Okay.
0: You know, their home life is a lot different than what I would expect a child to do, how they how they should act. And so, for me, I have a hard time deciphering, like, is this child really like hyperactive, can't control their thoughts, or right. do they just never get disciplined? They may have no developmental issues, but they're just out of control because that's the way they're allowed to act. That's a great question. So, Shayla asked a really great question, which is, how do you differentiate a kid who's just have n- never been given any parental guidance versus a kid who truly has issues? And, and that's why we test them. Right? That's why we test their print reflexes. That's why we talk about history. Tell me your history. Because the, I just did a podcast this morning with an, another chiropractor from San Diego. And um, he, Dr. Warren and I were talking about this and how it's so easy to jump on the bandwagon of, that's what this is. right? But we have to go backwards and say, what happened at their birth? What happened during their first year? Did they have any issues during their first year? that might relate to this, right? If you have a a kid who's had like a perfect birth and no issues their first year and no ear infections and no colic or reflux and none of these kind of problems, you test their reflux and they're totally fine, that is probably a parental thing. But so, so, so we aren't going to like, or I should say my thought process for you, Shayla, is they may be an unruly kid, but let's test them first to see why they're unruly. Is it their brain, right? Or is it they just never kind of taught parameters and guidelines. But that's a great question. That's a great question. But I will tell you that kids with ADHD, true ADHD, they are almost borderline destructive, right? They will be literally, I mean, like if they were in here, they'd be running back and forth between this, they'd be like taking iPads and kind of, don't, please don't touch, don't, 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 and they'll be touching it anyway and stuff. And that's just what they do, right? They just push envelopes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Another great question. Is there a spectrum with ADHD? Just like we talked about last week with Melillo, we feel that according to like what Melillo was talking about, there's this thing called functional disconnection syndrome, which is a line, right? And the line starts kind of over here with like ADHD, learning disorders like this. And then over here, you can have worse ADHD and learning disorders. And then over here, you start having some high functioning autism. And then over here, Now you have low functioning, you know, autism. So it's a linear kind of thing. It just depends on what disconnections you have, where the disconnections are, um, how severe the disconnections are, et cetera, right? So so yes, I've seen kids who are quote unquote diagnosed ADHD that I'm like, this kid shouldn't be ADHD. Just like I've seen kids diagnosed with autism, like there's no way this kid has autism. But they will fall into like, if you put them into the box of all the potential things that they could possibly fall into it. And a lot of times parents will place their kids in this box for what reason? Mm-hmm. Well, well, money for what? For help, treatment. Yeah, they're, but they're where especially. especially? School. Yeah, in school, right? So if you have your kid and he's struggling or she's struggling in school, sometimes getting them a diagnosis is a helpful thing uh, in order to get the benefits that the school system might offer. Unfortunately, not every school system offers that, right? It should be equal par. Like if you live in East Cobb, you should get who has whatever service you want available to them. But if you live down in South Georgia in some little small you know, town that has 500 people, you, they can't provide the same thing, which isn't really fair. Now, obviously, we'll have more people up here, right? There'll be more kids. But every kid should have this, the same access to all the same kind of stuff in the school systems, and they don't. You know, and that's only because it's only been in the last 15, 20 years that this is happening and not all the teaching styles have kind of caught up to that yet. So the answer to the question is absolutely there is a spectrum to ADHD, just like there's a spectrum to autism. They don't call it an ADHD spectrum, but there really is. You know, good question. What are certain questions you can ask? <coughs> Yes, yes. So that's a great, another great question. So uh, what, to, what would I ask parents? The, the thing I usually do with parents is, uh, and with every, every new patient, every new patient kid, is I start at pregnancy and birth. Because that tells a story. We're, and we're gonna talk about that today and uh, next week with Dr. Boxwork. It tells a story so that what happened during pregnancy and birth. A lot of these kids, not all of them, a lot of these kids had a really tough pregnancy while the mom was pregnant with them and or a very tough birth. Not all, but a very good portion of them. A lot of them had issues in the first year, whether it was latching nursing problems and/or colic and reflux and/or ear infections, or some other kind of chronic issues that were happening in the first year. They already showed a nerve system weakness, and then it just continues from there, right? So, if a parent, if like I said, if the kids had a great birth and didn't have any problems in their first year, da da da, it starts making me thinking about the parenting skills that the parent is displaying or not displaying. (coughs) Yeah, it's definitely a fine line because you never want to dis-a-parent and make a parent feel that his or her choices were, were wrong, especially a lot of parents now are single parents or or multiple job parents where the mom's got three jobs and dad's got two jobs and they're just like running around like a maniac just trying to afford stuff. Um, so it's hard to be the kind of parent that a lot of people would love to be, but they can't do that anymore. Um, so, but I would tell you more often than, than not, it is not a parenting issue. More often than not, in my office at least, it is, a, there, there's something going on with, the, with their brain issue. Yeah good questions. So this is why I want to do this kind of thing and we're going to do this every class before every class I'm going to come up with a couple of things to show you guys because I want to expose you I want to expose you to these kind of things so we can you can get a better better visual clue of what we're looking at whether it's a disease process or whether it's a, a neurobehavioral kind of issue.